Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Wednesday night Bible study with the Laurel Church of Christ uh, on our Zoom platform here that's been so expertly set up by our brothers. Um, hope everyone is having a pleasant and prosperous week and that everyone's doing well and blessed and well blessed. Um, I did not get any uh, prayer requests or announcements or anything that was passed along to me. So we're just going to start with a word of prayer and then we're going to jump right back into where we put a pin in it last week after a short review. Let us pray. Lord, our gracious God, we come before you with bowed heads and humbled hearts. Thank you for this day and thank you for giving us this hour of, of study that we may learn another portion of thy word. Um, allow the things, allow our hearts to be open tonight to the things that you would have us to apply to each and every one of our lives, both individually and collectively. Forgive us of our sins and clear our minds for this lesson and this study. In your son's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay. Um, just a quick review of where we jumped in and jumped out last week because we've, we, the lessons have not been ending just as the week ends, so sometimes you got to jump right into the middle of it. Um, we were dealing with uh, the Barnabas factor, the soul of an encourager, dealing with objurgation, um, the unpleasant conversation. Um, the definition of it is to uh, reprimand, uh, to scold, chastise, or upbraid. Um, which was the definition of the word, objurgation. It's a very old word, not hardly used, but it worked in the alliteration, so that's why it was chosen. Um, last week, I shared some stories about some of the concepts that was covered in last week's material about how my father introduced me last minute to the how to purchase for insurance, purchase your own insurance under pressure. Um, he also told a story about my mother who <laughs> disciplined me well enough for some wrongdoings at one point in time that from middle school to my, I don't think I cut school again to my sophomore year of college when I went to the Million Man March. Um, and we also talked about uh, David um, and George Washington. We covered that far. There's more to cover in here. Um, but they both were desiring, uh, desired reproof. And we'll start with his last quote that's in bold. That's where I put a pin in it last week, or at least when my notes say we put a pin in it. And we also wanted to make sure that <clears throat> uh, to bring out the point of relationships are key in this form of encouragement. Um, Objugation is very rarely, very rarely pleasant, but it is necessary. And uh, we're gonna get into some scriptures that's gonna show us that uh, in a little bit sure I'm in my right place. Okay. Um, we spoke about, uh, uh, as far as speaking about relationships being key for those type. Um, I also wanted to make sure I brought up a point that, that relationships are key from brother and sister, brother and sister type of relationship. For the elders, it's a little bit different as their office that they've been blessed to be in by God uh, dictates sometimes that they have to objugate people, but we're blessed here at Laurel because we have some really excellent elders. And um, I've been in congregations from 
Maine and Miami and everywhere in between, and maybe not as many congregations as folks like Brother Faulkner and Elder Pratt or Brother Mickey Walker, who've been military services, had them all over the planet. Um, but until I got to Laurel, I didn't know that elders could actually function like this. <laughs> so enough of patting them on the back. Uh, let's jump right into it. As far as George Washington's last quote that is in bold um, on your presentation there, it is with pleasure I receive reproof when reproof is due, because no person can be readier to accuse me than I am to acknowledge an error when I am guilty of one, nor more desirous of atoning for a crime when I am sensible of having committed it. So objurgation is something that is to be desired. It takes some maturity and it takes relationship. Um, the next person we wanted to move into was, there we go. I'm trying to make sure my slides are moving, y'all. There we go. Um, real world example number two was uh, Dwayne Charles Parcells, also known as Bill or the Big Tuna. Now, some of this might be a little bit more centric to people who have followed football a little bit more. But just a couple of quick facts about him was that he was born on August 22nd, 1941, shortly before um, Pearl Harbor actually happened. Uh, his mother and father's name is there. His father was a man of many talents, as you can see. And I'm sure that had some rubbing off on a young Bill. Um, the biggest influence of his life besides his father was a high school bas basketball coach, Mickey Cochran, and not that Mickey Cochran that played in the major leagues back in the early 19th century. Um, but he did spend, uh, Mick, Mickey Cochran's biggest claim to fame was that he coached with George Wooten in the Navy back in 1942-43. Um, but also he spent a year, Bill Parcells did, coaching under Bobby Knight at when they were both at Army. And that's who he formed a lifelong friendship with. One of the things that I wanted to bring out about him is that he is one of the prime examples that I like to use as far as his ability to coach. Um, not only was he a great coach, he coached other people who um, turned out to be great folks. Um, you, you can look down, it's a who's who of um, of coaches in the NFL from Bill, Par uh, from Bill Belichick to um, the Matt Rule who just got hired at in uh, Carolina, um, just to Sean, uh, uh, Sean Payton down in New Orleans. If you looked at the coaches that either coached directly under him or coached for one of the, one of his, as they call them, disciples in football, as far as you studied under someone, um, and that's where you kind of get your coaching style from, it's almost one third of NFL coaches right now um, of the 32 teams in NFL. One third of them have some direct connection to Bill Parcells as far as he was coached by them or he was coached by one of his main, for lack of a better term, henchmen. Um, and he is known as a real disciplinarian. He was he is he is definitely known as a big objurgationist, if, if I can use that as a word. Um, 
some of his quotes that I put here, and I include, include quotes because they show examples of the type of encouragement that we're doing, whether it be um, inspiration or objurgation, and it also gives you kind of a little insight into some of the intricacies of how these men think and worked. Um, all of this is going to fall into the lesson, trust me. Um, a couple of things that I put out, uh, a couple of his quotes that I put out there. Um, when something goes wrong, I yell at them, fix it. Whether it's their fault or not, you can only really yell at the players you trust. Even Bill Parcells understands, as, as, as hard as he can be, that relationship is something that is important when it comes to his style and the way that he kind of, uh, way he motivates a team. Um, another one of his quotes, if, if you're sensitive, you will have a hard time with me, um, <laughs> which is a good saying. And uh, <clears throat> shout out to Sister Mary, um, love her to death. She helps keep me on the straight and narrow, y'all. Um, another one of his sayings is, I just coached the way I was coached when I was young. In my formative years, I grew up under demanding people that demanded things from you and expected you to toe the mark. Um, this saying kind of reminded me of something that my father told me one time. Um, another one of his sayings is, I am not trying to keep anybody happy. He was very focused, very bottom line, win focused type of coach. Um, I think confrontation is healthy because it clears the air very quickly. Um, the unpleasant conversation. Um, the only players I hurt with my words are the ones who have an inflated opinion of their ability. And I can't worry about that. Um, I really enjoyed that. That made me think about the uh, scripture where uh, I believe it is Paul that says, a man ought to not think more highly of himself than he ought to. My father used to tell me that quite often um, just to try to keep us all on the straight and narrow. And I appreciate him for that. Um, this next quote he had kind of reminded me of something that went back to our first president. Um, I'm really not in the excuses business. Um, like I say, very bottom line oriented type gentleman. Uh, another one of these is a, a saying that I kind of put near and dear to my heart because it reminded me of something my father told me at one point in time. Um, I just try to do the best job I possibly can put the blinders on, go to work and be and be the best you can possibly be. Once you have done everything that you possibly can and you've put forth your greatest effort, then I can live with whatever's next. Um, and of course, all these quotes that I'm pulling from these gentlemen are, except for the except with the exception of Marshall Keeble, there are just oodles and and just oodles of quotes that they have out there but these are the ones that were most applicable that i thought to their character that related to some of the scriptures that we're going to cover in a little bit and um so these are like i say why they got picked his next one is i don't look at a problem and put variables in there that don't affect it i believe that each and every one of us could take that piece of information and apply it to our everyday life and that would make things um, a little, give a little more clarity to certain situations. Um, for instance, 
I have debates from time to time with some of my friends outside of the body of Christ um, as far as biblical debates or counterpoint, counterpoint on theology and some things like that. And that's one thing that I, I discussed with one of my friends that I was talking to last week about uh, depending on which translation you use, Barnabas's name is translated in Joseph in one and Joseph in another one. And the person was trying to make that a bit like, well, how do we know the translation is correct? I said, okay, now you're arguing about the color of Jesus sandals. You say that brown, I say that dark brown. Okay, I don't think the color of Jesus sandals is going to keep us out of heaven one way or another. We know that his name was Barnabas. So let's focus on what is and what is not. Um, another one of his sayings is, except false steps is opportunities, opportunities to learn. It's one thing to hate failure. It's another to fear it. Um, these are just very good, just plain Jane everyday sayings that, that are good. Of course, never su su superseding scripture. Like I say, I never ever minimize scripture. I just want to maximize the application of scripture. Um, losers assemble in small groups and complain. Winners assemble as a team and find ways to win. And that sounds like the, 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 the Christian race that we all run, that we all are accountable to each other and we all help each other um, be the best we can be. Um, this reminds me of another thing that my father told me when he said that, you know, how much he loved, <laughs> I love, how much I love your mother and, and my boys. I really love y'all. And I said, well, why, why is that, Dad? He said, because it's going to take a group effort to get me to heaven. So <laughs> he had a funny way of putting things that kept you out of therapy. Um, and his last thing that I cover here is never let good enough be good enough. Um, oops. never let good enough be good enough. That's just a very plain and simple saying that can help you raise up and do the best that you can do. Because there's always a little bit left that we know we didn't do when attempting certain tasks. Not saying that with everything. There are some great fathers, great elders, great deacons, great ministers here, and and great people, great members in general, but we all have something that we've done in our in our day or in our lives or in our daily lives that we know there's a little bit left in the tank and we didn't quite give everything we could. Um, we're gonna move on now to point one in um, how should objurgation be taken? Um, All right, yes, how objurgation should be taken. I have a couple of scriptures here that we're going to go through. If you have your Bibles tonight, um, let's turn over to Proverbs 17 and 10. Um, let me get turned over there right quick, even though we have it on the, on the, there we go. Okay. All right, and that reads, a reproof entereth, entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. Um, that is a direct 
mindset, a direct scriptural mindset of how we should um, or how objurgation should be looked upon, how it should be received. Um, that's just that's just one of the simple sayings that my uncle used to say is that you can spend all day talking to a fool and you won't move the mercury not one bit. Um, and I found that to be true in real everyday experience. Um, if we move on to example two, um, we're going to use Proverbs um, 9, and I know it says 9 through 10, but I want it to start at 7 um, because there's some good meat in there a couple before the verses get right to 9, emphasis on 9 and 10, but we start at 7. Um, he that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Um, this is a verse that when I read it, um, it's a lot of good stuff in Proverbs when it comes to behavior and rebuking and those type of things. But this is one of the things that made me kind of solidify it with is that relationship is key when it comes to this type of encouragement. Um, relationship is key when it comes to this type of encouragement. Um, example three, we're going to look at Proverbs 6. Uh, 20 through 23 and I just included 24 because that just that just it reminds me of something that my father once told me he told me a lot of stuff as you guys can tell um, but Proverbs 6 20 through 23 um, my son keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou wakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And verse 24, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. That reminds me of a story my dad said. <laughs> my father told me, yes, son, that, that day keep you out of trouble, you know. And I'm trying to tell you from my own experience. Now, this is a woman I met long ago, long, long, long time before I met your mother, long time. Um, <laughs> he was an interesting case study, my father. Um, and last but not least, we're going to go to Proverbs 17. I'm sorry. Uh, those are the three for those. And then we're going to move on to point two. There we go. Okay. Um, dealing with the um, hermeneutical term, uh, direct command, we're going to deal with Luke 17, three and four, and Romans 15, 13 and 14. Um, like I say, Luke 13, three and four is the emphasis verses. And number five, when I read it, it just kind of made me chuckle. Take heed to yourselves, 
if thy brother trans trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith, which takes it back to another story from my father's counsel when, um, and also reminds me of the Bible verse when they're asking the Lord, how many times are we supposed to forgive our brother? Because I asked that same one about my middle brother, Nick. He says, so dad, how many times are I supposed to forgive him? He says, the Bible says seven times 70. And I think that made me respond like the apostles did in verse five, say, Lord, increase our faith <laughs> and our ability to forgive our brother or my brother actually. Um, but that just shows that we're supposed to have a certain loving kindness towards one another. None of us are perfect. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we all have stepped on, and I'm for, for lack of a better term, we've all stepped on each other's toes, whether it be family, whether it be friends, whether it be coworkers, whether it be church members or church members that's on the same ministry that you are. There's just as people, we are going to have conflicts from time to time. And that can definitely occur during objurgation. But at the same time, you're supposed to forgive your brother and move forward with the work of the church and with being the best Christian that we all can be. Um, moving on to Romans 15 verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. So these are direct commands. We owe it to each other to have the type of relationship that it takes to be able to express this type of encouragement towards one another. Objugation is done not because you want to get on somebody's case and read them the riot act. It's done because you want to see that person be the best person that they can be. Um, that's what I feel about the objurgation, which is the uncomfortable situation. It is like I say, we owe it to one another to form those types of bonds, to form those types of relationships. I mean, it was a lot easier for the first century churches. They got together daily for, the, for prayer and breaking the bread. So when you spend that much time around each other, especially outside of formal, and using air quotes, formal worship services, you get to know people, you really get to invest in each other's lives. Um, one of the things I, I, I do really appreciate about the, um, the uh, life groups that we have here, I think that is an excellent program. Um, it allows us to really get to know one another outside the church building. Um, I believe I'm going to be in a life group this year because there's no football. So my schedule should be wide open. <laughs> Um, we go over here to point uh, number three, um, and this is kind of giving an example of God's love and a father's love 
um, because God is our father. But when I read these verses, I also thought about some things that, um, of course, come from my own earthly father, as well as from my heavenly father. And the two examples um, that we're going to use is Revelations 3, uh, 19 through 22. Um, and we're going to use Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And I cut that little short on the verses. So let me turn over in my own Bible to Revelations 3, 19. And I'm going to read, I believe this is a different translation and my slides are from King James and I'm using my new King James, uh, my Thompson's chain reference right now. And um, starting at verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me and my, on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Um, when we get into that, it's, it shows um, that that is a father's love, where, where the Lord expressly says, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Um, those two words carry just a kind of a terse um, meaning to them or connotation to them. But we see here that it means one of the more deeper forms of love because it, it's compared to a father's love here. I mean, it's going to become much more evident in the uh, next scriptures we, um, we, the next scripture we use in Hebrew 12, 5 through 11. That's one of those scriptures that's uh, kind of a Church of Christ hang your hat on scriptures when it comes to um, the discipline that the Lord um, gives out from time to time when we need to get back on the straight and narrow. Um, and that actually uh, picks up here and we'll start at verse five. <clears throat> and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chaste, chastening, God dealeth, with, God dealeth with you as with sons. But what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they, for they ver verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, 
that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Um, that verse doesn't really, or that section of scripture really doesn't need a lot of extra sauce on it. It pretty much lays it out that the Lord dealeth with you as sons if ye endure the chastening and what that type of encouragement leads to, peaceable fruit of righteousness. Um, this actually takes me back to an old story where I learned the value of teamwork. Um, I had a coach. This was when I was, before I started playing ball in college, I was still in high school playing football. And for some reason, I got a little too big for my britches. I see that now. And we were in a, in a meeting and we had a very tough opponent coming up that week. And I forget what the lead up to it was, but I just remember saying and to my position coach in front of my position group, you know, coach, I'm the best defensive player you got. And he says, okay, Holt, you're suspended for the first half of next week's game. Later on, after we got to the side, he kind of pulled me to the side and had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me. And I said, coach, you know, we got a tough opponent coming up this week. One of the top run games in the state. I know you can use me. You know, now I'm starting to get a little humble because my playing time's affected. And that's when he let me know. He said, look here, Holt. I'd be lying to you if I told you that you wasn't one of my best defensive players. Matter of fact, pound for pound, you're the best defender I got. And I depend on you to help us win these football games. But one thing I, you, I have to get you to understand is that this is a team and it takes everybody pulling in the same direction to accomplish the goals we want, which is a state championship. If we don't think like that, what we're gonna do is be a very mediocre team with a bunch of good players on it. Team has to come first. And I didn't quite understand that. And he's, well, I did understand it at the time, I should say, but he said that, he also went on to add that no matter how good you are, how much, how many tackles you can make, no matter how good I coach, if the core of this team starts seeing that, you know, people can usurp authority and say what they want to say, then we're all going to go down. So what I want you to do is, you know, I know you've been working with your backup, so you're going to cheer him on in the first half and then I want you to get out there a little bit early at halftime and get loose, get your pads loose, and then come on in and help us put this one away. But I learned a very valuable lesson there. And I forgot one of the last things he told me too is that you wonder why I'm always riding your back. You wonder why I'm always on you. You think I would waste my breath on somebody I didn't think that I didn't depend on? And that is what really made it click in my head that, okay, this is very unpleasant. And yes, he had to embarrass me in front of the whole team. But what this is doing is taught me two very valuable lessons. One, keep your mouth shut. And two, teamwork makes the dream work. And that's what we need to focus on. Um, I had some good coaches too. Um, but that is the point three to attempt to 
uh, kind of tie up objurgation. I don't want to beat a dead horse. And uh, like brother, one of Marshall Keeble's sayings is, is that after you hit the, if you hit the, the nail on the head, if you keep hitting it, you split the plank. So after you hit the nail on the head, then just ease up off of it. That might not be one I included in his sayings, but Marshall Keeble's sayings will stick with you. If you ever go look them up and just kind of read through them, they'll stick with you. Um, now we go on to uh, part four of the four-parter that we're doing for uh, the Barnabas Factor. Um, and I'm using this one as the will of an encourager dealing with edification. Edification, we've, we've covered inspiration. Uh, we've incurred, uh, covered objurgation. We have covered uh, inspiration, objurgation. What was my other one that I had? And consolation, yes. So the last one that we have to cover now is we are going into edification. Edification is, in my opinion, uh, true lifeblood of encouragement. Because at the end of the day, all of these different methods used to encourage are all for the bottom line. They want the person to that they're directed towards. They want them to either be better, feel better, be smarter about a situation, or it's it's something that always moves in a, in a positive way. Um, and edification, when I started reading its definition and other things like that, it really kind of began to boil down into a, almost a father-son or a teacher student or a coach and player type environment or relationship, I should say. Um, two of the things that I can, I can honestly say that was passed down to me from my dad was, um, he taught me how to pray and he taught me how to barbecue. Now those that have been able to sample some of my barbecue know how good it is and Lord forgive me for tooting my own horn but I tell people quick, it's not me that is so good at barbecuing. It goes back to my great grandfather. I'm just the next cog in the wheel of a 131 year old tradition. Cause that's when I understand my father, grandfather, great grandfather got the recipe sometime or came up with the recipe sometime in the late 1800s, around 1890 or whatever, like my mother would say, you gotta ask somebody that's older than me to know about them folks. Um, there's a level of comfort when it comes to teachers. Um, one of the things that uh, you can look at all the different types of relationships in the Bible, and there's some great ones going from uh, Paul and Timothy, um, Joshua and Moses, we are gonna get into that a little bit later. But you can, you always see a lot of times, um, you see an older, uh, one of our silver saints, especially in biblical references, notices the abilities or the uh, good report or the abilities of a younger man. And then he kind of takes him under his wing 
and begins to teach him the ways of what he has learned and based on his experience, much greater experience at life. Um, and this is, a, this is a very special relationship. Um, it gives certain people comfort that know the teacher. Sometimes a teacher's reputation precedes his student. Um, it reminds me of a, a time where I was attempting to get into some sort of event um, and I was on the outside looking in and, and, and I was talking to the lady who was letting people in and taking tickets and these type of things. And somebody who was a big shot and forgive me cause I'm drawn on something that happened 20 plus years ago. Um, the uh, uh, important person in this event was passing by and he heard me say what my name was and I wasn't on the list and this and he's, he paused and said, hold on for a minute, kind of interjected himself into the conversation and said, wait a minute, uh, Holt, you seen, are you, do you know Curtis Holt? And I said, yes, sir, that's my father. And he kind of got a weird look on his face. So now I understand that there's a whole situation and life that has happened prior to me being here that for some reason now because of who my, I'm throwing air quotes, teacher is, um, I'm all of a sudden go from an unknown to receiving different type of treatment. Um, almost like when Paul first came into, uh, um, Jerusalem with Barnabas and Barnabas vouched for him. Um, but once he's, oh, that's, that's old man Hope's youngest boy. Yeah. Go ahead and let him on in. He's okay. And that was just predicated upon someone that had come before me that had taken the time to also kind of teach me with my mannerisms and some other things that just rub off. If it's various sayings, mannerisms, those type of things run off, rub off in an edification type relationship. For instance, our own um, evangelist Cook, he was taught by brother Humphrey Faust. So by proxy, I guarantee you there are some things that we've gotten in, our, in the great sermons and messages that he brings every Sunday um, that come from Brother Faust. Um, that's just the nature of edification. It's not a cloning of a person, but once you, once you hear something that works or you know it's just fact of the matter, then there's no reason to in, reinvent the wheel. Ex you don't have to learn everything from experience. Sometimes you can learn from a teacher, someone who wants to edify. And I look at this as the lifeblood of encouragement because all the other factors are pretty much a form of some sort of edification, a betterment of. Um, as we turn over here, we'll get into the, uh, the definition. Edification is the, in the instruction or improvement of a person. Morally, <clears throat> excuse me, morally, emotionally or intellectually. Um, some of the synonyms of this is to uplift, enlighten, improve, illuminate, coach, tutelage, guidance, and civilize. Um, when it comes to those, especially tutelage, before we get into the real world example of our 16th president, it reminds me of a 
I tell a lot of stories because I relate a lot of biblical principles to stuff that has happened to me in my life and and how those two things line up. Like I say, never minimizing scripture, just maximizing application. Um, my advisor in college, and this could have been one of the worst things ever happened, uh, happened to be one of my mother's students while he was in graduate school, Dr. David Kinley. He's passed on now, but he used to stay on my case and he used to work for my father also. So he used to stay on my case 24 by seven from the time I walked in that door to the time I left it. It almost felt like the cartoon with the sheepdog and the, and, and the wolf. It's like, it's, we've, we great friends and he's my advisor outside of class. But as soon as we walked through those doors, it's like we punched them time cards and we got to getting it. Um, but one day I was in his office uh, after knockoff and uh, was, was playing some chess. And after everybody had kind of left out of there, um, I asked him, uh, he, well, excuse me, he asked me, he said, Holt, you think I'm pretty rough on you, don't you? I said, absolutely, 100%. And I don't even need to wait on a lifeline or, or ask the audience a 50-50 on that. Yes, you stay on my case like white on rice, and I don't understand why. He said, the reason I stay on your case is because I had to deal with both your parents. So I know the type of mark that's been set for you. I know what they expect out of you. These other, these other kids that I deal with, I'm going to work on them just as hard as I can. But with you, I have a very intricate insight into the people that put you, that, that, that make you tick. So that was another thing that made me kind of think that, okay, he's, he's, it boiled down to this to me. He's being hard on me because he believes I can excel. Um, he believes that I could excel at what I was at the, you know, getting my degree and making good grades and all these things. And he just stayed on me. So from these two examples with my advisor in college and that coach, and also my father, I really began to understand how objurgation and edification really worked. Both are kind of hand in hand. One is unpleasant, one is much more pleasant. Um, and also just jumping on down into the real world example. Up, oh, well, wait a minute, we're at 742. We're gonna cover this, just this part of him, just kind of his background, then we're gonna put a pin in it so I'll know right where to start again. But our real world example would be the 16th president, um, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, he was born February 12, 1809. Um, experts have written that Lincoln led the nation through its greatest moral, constitutional, and political crisis in the American Civil War. He succeeded in preserving the Union, abolishing slavery bolstering the federal government and modernizing the U.S. economy, bringing it forward into the 1800s from the 1700s. Um, he was born into poverty in a log cabin, but yet he was self-educated and became a lawyer. He became Whig Party leader, which was one of the two major political parties that was around. It used to be the Whigs and the Democrats. The Whig Party eventually went out of 
style, which was replaced by the Republican Party. Like I say, this is in the history lesson, just covering the little basics. He was an Illinois state legislator. Um, he became a U.S. congressman from Illinois, and he became leader in the newly formed Republican Party, which then, you know, the Whig Party went out of out of existence and basically was replaced replaced by the Republican Party, which was formed from abolitionists and some extreme Democrats and some other folks. But like I say, that's not this isn't a history lesson. But it is 744. And I'm gonna go ahead and to borrow a, a phrase from my mentor. Uh, we're gonna put a pin in this right here. And Lord willing, we will pick it back up next week. Um, and with that, I will turn it back over to the hands of the brothers for the uh, devotion now. Um, thanks. Good evening. This is Dean Morris. I'll be uh, leading singing this evening. Uh, Brother Steve Brosey will be giving us the lesson, and Alan Prout will be doing our closing prayer. Our beginning song will be number 730 in Praise for the Lord, which is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not care. Everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> are we weak and heavy laden? Come with a load of care. <coughs> Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. Song after the lesson will be Have Thine Own Way, Lord.
Hello, everyone. This is Steve Brozzi. Um, I'm here to give you the lesson for tonight. I really appreciate um, Sean Holt's lesson. Um, I think my lesson is going to go um, along with that, um, his, the things he was talking about tonight. <clears throat> um, because sometimes um, encouragement is not always the, the soft, um, you know, lovey-dovey type encouragement. It's um, sometimes encouragement has to be um, very strong from a, you know, from a strong arm and strong, you know, words, strong deeds. And I want to talk about, you know, Joshua a little bit tonight. And, um, you know, <clears throat> and Joshua, Joshua says, you know, he tells the people, you got to be strong and very courageous. And he says, be careful to do, um, to do all according to the law. You know, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. And so Joshua, he is, he's leading a group of people that don't necessarily want to... Um, be good followers. You know, he's got a team that all want to be individual players and all want to go their own direction. And, and it was hard for Moses to pull the people together, but now it was the time for um, Joshua to pull these people together. And he had to be um, a I'm not sure I have control of the um, screen yet. Um, Joshua had to be a great encourager. And you say, well, you know, how did he become such a good encourager um, with, such a, with such a bad team to work with? And, and to be a great encourager, um, it requires courage. You know, all those coaches that um, Sean Holt was talking about or all those um, uh, people in his life that he was, um, his father and others, um, had to have great courage to work with the team they were working with. And, and we have to have great courage to, to be good encouragers. And so, um, so how could Joshua be such a great encourager when he had such great odds against him? Well, he trusted in God. And he was, he relied on God. He, he saw all of God's works in his life in the, uh, and in the lives of the people of Israel. He saw all the 10 plagues that, the, um, that God gave to the Egyptians. He saw, he walked through the Red Sea, he, he saw how God dealt with those people that um, were not following his, his will, which gave Joshua great courage. <clears throat> and um, So when, 
when Joshua was um was told to go into the promised land and spy it out, and they came back, Joshua was very excited about the promised land. He said it's like, it's like a super great land, and um, everything God said about it is absolutely true, and it's going to be no problem to take it. But there was 10 other people that also went in and spied out the land that said, no, we can't take it. It's too hard for us. We, we aren't big enough or good enough or, <clears throat> or strong enough to take this land. And, and so to be a great encourager, you can't let the voices of the ma majority silence you. You know, you can't keep silent when we are in, when, when you are in the minority. And you also have to trust in God. You have to know what God can accomplish in your life and in the lives of others, and you have to move forward. And, and we need to see the works of God in our life. I mean, it is the works of God in our life that give us that courage to know what God can do and to trust in God. And if we're always looking for what God is doing in our life, we'll always have the courage to move forward and to, to be strong and courageous and not be afraid and to, to not listen to the voice of man, but to listen to the voice of God and to know what God wants and to move <clears throat> forward with that. And so... Okay. And so, how do we do that? And one, one way to do that is to look at Jesus, because Jesus also was basically a Joshua. You know, I think Jesus' name is Joshua, I think, in the translations. And, and Jesus leads the way. Jesus trusted in his God, his Father. And Jesus sees the work, you know, in John chapter 8, 38, he says, Jesus sees the work of God in, in, his, in his life and follows um, what he sees of his Father. And he, he listens to his Father and father, follows what his Father says for him to do. And that's exactly what we need to do. And in John, you know, 12, 23 to 36, Jesus trusted God with his life, even unto death. And in John 12, 49, Jesus listened and spoke the words of God. And, and so Jesus never kept silent with the truth when he was in the minority. And basically he was the minority, but he was always um, speaking up and, and and always moving forward because he trusted his father. He knew what his job was. He knew where he was going, what he needed to accomplish, and he always moved forward. And, and he's always teaching us to move forward. And so since Jesus is the way, he, he shows us the way, and he shows us how to 
be part of his kingdom. And Jesus is our Passover lamb. His blood must cover us. And just like the Passover lamb during their exit of Egypt, they put the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorpost. Um, that same blood of the Passover lamb, our, our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, has to cover us. And so we need to listen um, to how Jesus says to get into Christ. And part of that was to, <clears throat> we must die and be buried with Christ into his death, to be born again by a water baptism. And in Romans chapter 6, and in 1 Peter 3.21 and Acts 2.38, all of these tell us that um, we must repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And so if there's anyone tonight that needs to um, follow the example of Jesus Christ and, and give their life to Jesus, through their death, burial, and resurrection with Christ in baptism. Um, there's always an opportunity. Um, email the elders to get together with them or any one of the um, individuals in the church. And, and the time is now to give your life to Christ. And so now we have the um, invitational song. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, you do and still have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Why do them snow, Lord, wash me just now? As in thy presence, humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power. Surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold on my being, absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all 
shall see Christ only always living in me. Hey, good evening, family. Uh, this is Alan. Before we have our closing prayer, just a few updates I'd like to share and remind everybody. Uh, tomorrow evening at 7.30, you can join the Zoom fellowship that starts at 7.30. If you ever have wanted to participate in a, a Zoom fellowship, it's kind of unique. I know a lot of people are Zoomed out, but it's a lot of fun to see faces you haven't seen in a while and, and have a little bit of fellowship on online. That's tomorrow evening at 7.30. On Friday afternoon at 3.30, uh, there's a Skype Bible study with Bren White on the book of Galatians. So Skype Bible study at 3.30 with Bren. Also mentioning that, uh, take some time this week and take a look at the YouTube channel that Bryn White has, the Living Out series. He started the Book of Galatians, excellent series, and I would encourage you to go and look at uh, several of his online uh, lessons that he has in the past, and please share those with others as well. Uh, we have a couple prayer requests I just want to remind everybody of, and Nakomis Ford asks that we continue to pray for her grandfather uh, who's and her grandmother who's fighting the COVID-19. Uh, she says she spoke to him. He's feeling a little bit better, but his spirits aren't the best. And she asked that we pray that he focus on God's goodness and not all the media hype. So we want to just remind everybody of that as well. Go to the YouTube channel, go to the Zoom fellowship, go to the Skype Bible, show, uh, Bible study to avoid all the extra chatter that you don't need to hear and get wrapped up in. Also, uh, there was one that went out earlier today uh, from Reggie Oliver. He asked that we pray for his sister, Lucille Oliver Holmes. Uh, she's in the hospital. She does not have COVID. Uh, they came back negative, but she does have some uh, bleeding and a mass on her lower extremities. Uh, so before surgeries can happen, they need to do some other tests. So definitely want to keep uh, Reggie's sister, Lucille, in our prayers. And then there was a prayer request went out Sunday. I'm not sure if everyone saw it or not, but uh, David Reimers asked us that we pray for his dad. Uh, he's going through a, a, a bit of uh, struggles in his life now. He's 80 years old, has a, a lot of things happening, and uh, he just needs some prayers and encouragement. Also pray for the Reimers as they uh, prepare to travel out there to try to visit with him uh, the best they can during these uh, circumstances in our country. So with all that in mind, let's go to God in prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we've had to look into your word tonight. Father, just pray that as we study your word, that we'll take it and apply it to our lives so we can truly be the people you'd have us to be in this dark world of sin. Help us, Father, to shine our light. Help us to show people what Jesus looks like in our everyday living. Father, help us to be kind and gentle and help us to love our neighbors as ourselves as you've told us to do. And Father, right now, I just want to continue to lift up Nokomis's uh, grandmother and grandfather and their struggle with the COVID-19 and the uh, struggles that they have with that, with being an elderly couple. And Father, if it's your will, pray that you would uh, touch them and heal them and help restore the health to fully where it needs to be and where they would like to have it to be. And Father, just bless uh, Nokomis and her family as they are uh, 
uh, thinking of their grandparents and uh, father, they're concerned about them and unable to be with them, just comfort them as well. And Father, we pray for our brother Reggie Oliver's sister, Lucille, and the struggles that she's having right now with her health. Father, we just pray that uh, whatever surgery she needs to have done to, to correct her uh, physical health can be taken care of in a timely manner, and she can make a speedy recovery as well. And Father, we pray for uh, our brother David Reimer's dad and for the struggles that he has uh, being an older citizen and the many things that happen uh, because of the age and the, the restrictions that he has and the restrictions on travel and all the things that happen and being far away from the family. Father, we just pray that you would comfort him, be with David and his entire family as they strive to uh, encourage him every day. Father, we just pray for the Reimer.